0: O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. At the beginning of the book of Acts, it has been a glorious and miraculous 40 days since Easter morning. Jesus has appeared in different ways to different people. He visited his disciples in locked rooms and showed him his hands and his side. He's met disciples walking on the road to Emmaus and fishermen by the Sea of Galilee. He's continued to appear to them and to teach them that the kingdom of God has come near. And now at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus appears again teaching them the need to be baptized by water in the Spirit. And of course, because it had been 40 days, the disciples had become a bit anxious about what was next. The disciples understand that 40 days is a significant period of time, particularly as good Hebrew boys and girls, they had grown up knowing that when you get to the number 40, something special is about to happen. Forty days of rain in preparation for the great flood. Moses leading the people through the wilderness for 40 years before entering the promised land. Elijah, the great prophet, fasting for 40 days in preparation for his prophecy. Jonah, prophesying against Nineveh for 40 days. Jesus, fasting in the wilderness for 40 days before his temptation. And now it has been 40 days since the resurrection. And they ask Jesus, Lord, is today the day when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what the disciples have been waiting for. They have been hoping that this would be the final consummation of all that they had hoped for. They didn't expect Jesus to resume his his previous life of wandering around Israel, teaching, preaching, and healing. They expected him to lead them to the temple, to cast out the Romans. To shun all those who had given up their faith and go to the governor's mansion and kick Pilate out. To tell everyone who had doubted that Jesus is alive and he would restore the throne on that very day. That's what they hope for and that's what they ask. Lord, is this the day when you will restore the kingdom? And so Jesus offers two responses to their question. The first, he says, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Which is a very biblical way of saying, it's none of your business, guys. In fact, the only thing that Jesus is ever clear about over and over in the Bible is that when it comes to the end of things, whether it's the end of time or the end of the world or the end of this ministry in Jerusalem, whenever it comes to the end of things, Jesus says, don't worry about it because you don't need to know. No one knows, Jesus says. Not even Jesus. Only the Father knows You know, a large part of the world every couple thousand years thinks it's the end of the world. The year 500, the year 1000, the year 1500, the year 2000. Anyone remember that? And countless people have written books and sold a lot of books and made a lot of money predicting the end of the world. Biblical scholars have spent years combing the text and finding all the secret codes to tell you exactly when the world is going to end. And I'm always amazed at how they spend so much time finding that secret code and miss all the times Jesus says he's not telling us. But here are the disciples asking, Jesus, is today the day when everything is going to be summed up and and, and God's going to come down and, and the throne is going to be restored and all of our enemies defeated and all the pain and suffering pushed away? Is today the end of the world? And Jesus says, quit asking. I've got work for you to do. And that's his second response. There are things I need you to do. And you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. Here in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, even up to Samaria, and you know what? Even into the ends of the earth. And that's something they weren't expecting. They thought this was going to be the final day. And Jesus tells them, it's day one of a new and wonderful mission. Now, you can imagine that's a little bit unnerving. When you think you're at the end of a story and you find out you're just at the beginning, sometimes it's exciting have to be at the end of one chapter and look ahead to see a whole new story unfolding. But it's also a little bit scary for the disciples as they begin to understand that Jesus is telling them they are about to go everywhere to everyone throughout the world. And we know they're a bit unnerved about it because Jesus begins to float away and they just stare. Stare into heaven, mouths open wide, not knowing what to say or what to do. So much so that God sends two angels down and says, what are y'all looking at? Go do what he said. Now, as a parent, I do this all the time. What are you still doing here? I told you to go clean up your room. I told you to go eat dinner. I told you to do your homework. I told you to go to the ends of the earth, to Judea and Samaria and preach all that I have taught and baptized. Go! What are you waiting on? The mission is beginning. And the good news is that Jesus is not going away. He's just going up. See, there's a difference between going away and going up. At least biblically speaking. There's a difference between escaping and ascending all throughout the scriptures, the disciples have been afraid that Jesus would abandon them. So much so that Jesus has to say over and over, in addition to stop asking me about the end of the world, he says, I will not leave you. I will be with you, even until the end of the age. And in these final moments, the disciples might be tempted to think that Jesus is abandoning them. But the good news is, He's not gone. He is ascended. And that's a key to our confession of faith. We believe that Jesus came down from heaven, lived among us, died our death, was raised to new life, and now has ascended to his Father's side, which is just another way of saying Jesus is still alive, still in control, still ruling his kingdom. And still with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not gone away. He has gone up. And He will return. Whenever that will be. And so we are reminded this morning. That Jesus. Is the King. Jesus. Is in control. And Jesus. Is still with us of course perhaps one of the disciples began to think like us modern disciples might begin to think yeah if Jesus is still in control and if Jesus is king why is everything still so broken why is there still evil why is there still poverty why are there still wars and violence and death? Why are the Romans still in control of Jerusalem? And while there are many ways to answer that perennial question, the answer we find today is that while Jesus is the ascended king, there are still many others in this world who have yet to relinquish their power and their claims. In Jesus' own day, it was Caesar who declared himself king of the whole world. And throughout the centuries since, others have come and gone who have sought to shape the world in their own image. Ever since Eden, each of us have thought from time to time that we could run the world better than God if we just had all the authority and all the power. And each time someone has risen up to try to do that, they've made an even bigger mess. Which is why the church is called at her best to live in a way that points not to the powers of this world, but to the true king, ascended and on the throne. So you're all kind of staring up into heaven, looking at me like, well, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do? Well, in a few moments, we will do the most visible sign of what we are called to do. Holy Communion. In a simple meal, we will recall the great work of Jesus Christ and proclaim that heaven has come near to earth. With bread and with cup, we will remember when the God of heaven dwelled among us. We will lift them up and remember that Jesus was lifted up and how in death he was exalted and how in resurrection death was defeated and how in his ascension he is king over all others. At this table, we embody our hope and our faith in a kingdom where there is room for all, enough food for everyone, and there are no strangers, only family. And so when you look around the world and wonder why is everything so broken, I invite you to look at a broken piece of bread. When you look around the world and wonder why is there not enough Why do people go hungry? I invite you to look at a table where a feast is set and there is bread enough. When you look at the political world and wonder why is there so much strife and division and you worry about who will get elected and who will win and who will be defeated and you wonder what should a Christian say about politics I invite you to think this table is a sign that Jesus is king, and that is the most political thing any of us can ever say. And finally, if you begin to think that you no longer feel that God is even in this world, Remember that this meal is a meal not of absence, but of presence. For Jesus said, Whenever you break this bread, whenever you share this cup, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. He's not gone, he's ascended. The table is not empty, it is full of God's presence. The world has not been abandoned, for God has given everything for this world. And we are invited to tell that story each and every day, proclaiming that truth until the day that Jesus returns in glory. And we feast at the heavenly banquet. When will that be? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Only heaven knows. And that's good enough for me. Amen.